Amen. So let's uh, get started. Um, bring the music down just a little bit. I still want it on, though. Thank you. I always like to pray before I start. So, Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, lead me by your spirit that I may feed your children. Use me, Father, for your glory and for your glory only. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ooh, boy. This has been a very interesting <laughs> week. But I'm not surprised. It's been a very, very, very interesting week. Just bring that music down just a little bit more. It's because, I'm sorry, it's in my conscious and I need that music in my subconscious. Because <laughs> I need to use my conscious mind. But um, it's been so interesting. I'm just seeing just a small portion of the fruit from that 70 hours of prayer already. Already. I was, um, kind of before I get into this, I was, but this is also part of the message. So I was ministering to... Um, a girl today that I had just met. And I want to tell you the short version of this story. Basically, she called um, to get EAP counseling services because she was dealing with some workplace stress issues. Now, she's dynamic at what she does, totally dynamic. She's been working for the insurance company, car ins this particular car insurance company for years, like probably like 15 years. And every single time that she tries to like move up in the company, literally someone intentionally blocks her from moving up in the company. And her, and they know that she's a good worker. That's not the problem because she helps, she does her work completes it on time and does other people work and other managers have noticed this and they have asked her hey can you help this other person even though this person is totally not doing no work at all but she's so willing like yeah I'll do it and so long story short there's one particular job that she she became frustrated so there's one particular job she had in mind that she was going for but they made up this story to her saying that, well, um, you know, if because your department have um, so much turnover um, in your particular department, you can't leave. Exactly. That's what was my response to the situation. I was like, mm, that don't sound right. But then it was so funny because right when she said that, like the father dropped in my spirit this is an exiting plan. These people are not coming against her because she's because they're trying to block her from receiving this blessing. This is a God thing. So the father started talking to me about her, and he said, let her know that I, I'm the one who's using them. I'm the one who's closing the door. And so I'm like, okay, because she's still talking. She's talking. I'm listening to her, but I'm also listening to what he's saying about her. And I'm like, okay, so I'm talking. It's kind of crazy because I'm listening to her with my conscious mind. I'm listening to him with my unconscious mind. 
And I'm like, I'm trying, okay, to to talk to him at the same time. And trying to say, like, well, what, what, how, you got to open a door for me to bring this in because I can't just spring this on her like that. I need you to open a door. So she be, still begins to speak. And she mentioned something about praying. I said, that's the door. All right, I can go in. So I began to minister to her. And (laughs) it's so funny because the father had told me, tell her that she's supposed, the reason why I'm exiting her out of there, her time is up at that place. And she's supposed to start her own business as a consultant. And so I'm like, okay, that's very specific. I said, um, so I'm wrestling with God about this. And so in her closing statement, before I, I began to speak to her, she literally says, you know what? I've been thinking, I've always wanted to be a consultant. And that's when I knew, okay, speak more. <laughs> it was confirmation. Okay, speak more, Father, because this is confirmation. I know I heard you say that. I'm not going crazy. So he begins to speak more to me about her. So I begin to just minister to her. And and I begin to tell her that, well, to be honest with you, the Father told me you're supposed to be a consultant. And I told him these doors are closing and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She was like, this is really eye-opening. She's like, because I've literally went in prayer. I've been in prayer and fasting, she said, for two weeks. And she said, I've been asking God, please show me the way. Please give me clarity. She said, because I'm so frustrated with the situation that I don't know what to do. She said, but I'm the type of person that even though um, they're doing me wrong, I still want to do my job in excellence. And she said, and that's the conflict behind it all. It's because I'm not just, because they made me mad, I'm not just going to go in there and do a half job. I'm still going to do the right thing. And so through that, I'm so serious. Just the blueprints for her, her business began to drop in my spirit. And I began to tell her, you know, you know, the father told me to tell you that don't be limited as far as your consulting. Because, I mean, the, the woman is... is talented she's done so much with insurance companies like everything you can think of from 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 claims to to anything dealing with insurance companies she's done it and so she was like oh my gosh she was like you know what she was like it's so crazy because I've literally she was like I feel like I've been sitting on this business idea for the longest. And she's like, I just been afraid just to step out. And then she's like, the idea that I have for my business, I feel like it's just too expensive. And so I've forgotten about it. And I said, well, I said, repeat after me. <laughs> I said, never say again, something is too expensive. I said, because if you got the idea, he gave it to you. And if he gave it to you, the resource is going to be there. You just got to step out. And so after just all of that in ministering to her, she was like, this just gives me a whole different perspective. She was like, this just gives me a whole nother direction. But I have literally been praying for this. And she's like, I feel like you were just a godsend, a total godsend for me because this is like a confirmation and an answered prayer for me. So it was so crazy because it's like we, we, 
it's like we made this connection spiritually. And I told her, I said, even when all of your sessions are complete, I said, keep in touch with me because I really would like to see what God do with you because what the vision that he gave me for, for what he want to do with her, it was, it was, it was total miraculous. And so she also began to share with me parts of this vision of what this vision looks like. She said she always wanted to open, um, buy all of these homes and she wanted to house children and women in these homes and give them all the resources that they need in order to be successful. She says, because she saw a need, she's like people that's out here doing wrong. Um, as far as, you know, like, um, you know, um, having, you know, premature sex and doing all these other things that out here doing wrong. There's all sorts of resources for people out here that's doing wrong. And she said, there's not enough resources out here for people that want to do the right thing. And she said, I I just want to change the face of that. And I said, well, I said, you just, you're going to have to step out on faith. I said, just, I said, so it's, so I introduced her, like I said, to the concept of revealing God as a father and gave her that concept of, you know, just like you took that stuff in prayer and you asked him to show you clarity, that is what you do. You take your questions to him. You take your concerns to him. You, you ask him to show you, to teach you what's the next step in your business, what direction you should be going with the business. When is the time that you should release yourself from this job? You take all of that to him. Because it's a relationship. I said, anybody who has a relationship, there's dialogue between the two of them. I said, so go back and forward. Go back and forth with your father. If he tells you something, obey, go do. You'll see the fruit of it and keep repeating the same process. So it did. It brought me... It brought me a lot of joy and, and her a lot of joy too because it, it just ref- like the enemy was trying to entrap her and get her entangled in her mind and get her frustrated. But when you release the words that the father is, is, is giving to you and you release it back to another person, the things that it does for that person as far as freeing them, from whatever is going on in that situation is powerful in itself. And I think my husband brought this up on the prayer call one time that we, a lot of times we miss out on the, the, what we think is the small miraculous things. So indeed that was a miracle for her because it opened a door that she thought was shut. That she totally, like, you know what, I forgot about because I thought my vision was too expensive. So, I just wanted to share that with you. But tonight, we are going to part 14 of the languages with the Father. We have three more left. Now, we were supposed to do 19 parts, but the... The last two parts I'm actually going to use for the dream series. So we have three more parts into this, but tonight we're going to the part number 14. And bring that music down just a little bit more. I'm sorry. So we're going to talk about first weakness, pain, and suffering. Weakness, pain, and suffering. And our first scripture reference for that is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. 
2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And we're talking about weakness, pain, and suffering as a way in which the Father can speak to you. And it says, but he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. So you might be wondering, how in the world can the Father speak to me through my weaknesses, my pain, and my suffering? How in the world is that even possible? So I want to bring to light in verse 9, it says, And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So because of our weaknesses, whether it be the weaknesses in which we're going through, our pains, our suffering, he says here that the Father's full, not partial, but his full expression, what he's trying to do fully through you, comes out pretty much when you're empty through your weakness. So he said... So for that reason, I will celebrate my weakness. For when I am weak, so he's giving you a second reason. For when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So when you feel like I don't have it all together, when you feel like I don't have it in me, when you feel like I don't know if I could even make it, right when you feel that way, this word says that when you feel that way, you can sense more deeply his power working in you. Because it's the testimony of, I know I couldn't have done this because I didn't have enough in me to do it. So it's a realization that he's working through me. I'm not doing the work. And so that is how he can express himself fully in you when you don't have your hand in it at all. And you just allowing him to be your ventriloquist, basically. And it says, for I'm not defeated. So when we go through these things, it's not for defeat. And we take it on a lot of time as defeat. We, we're defeated. And we give up. But he said the weakness and the pain and the suffering is not for defeating you. It's not for defeat. But it's for delight because the power becomes strong in you. It's the full expression. And it says that when you're sur even when you're surrounded, like you feel like you're surrounded by all sides, trouble on every single side that you can think of. It says, yet yeah, I am made stronger. 
And in that, my body, my vessel becomes a portal. So first the father uses these things in order to speak strength in us during those periods of time. A lot of time your, your ears are more sensitive to hear when you've done all that you could. Because there is no more alternatives. There is no more plan B, plan C, plan E. And you, you're out of every option that you possibly can have. You're totally empty. And that's when he's like, that's when I can speak to you. That's when I can move fully like I need to move in you. So, and it's like this sometimes, because sometimes I have noticed, I'm very analytical. Sometimes, I, I'm not sometimes, all the times. When I've come in here and I'm like, I don't have it all together today. I'm like, Father, you have to help me today because I'm tired. Um, I might have been up that night. I might have been trying to help the kids do something, and I know I didn't get enough prayer like I was supposed to. But those are the times when he's like, that's right. Actually, that's the times when I pray the best, I feel like. Because I don't have any, I don't have no reservations for nothing. So also the weakness, pain, and suffering that we go to also births out wisdom. It births out wisdom because now you go into him and say, okay, teach me, show me, reveal to me. So now wisdom is birthed out to you through that. So the father uses those times basically to minister to us. So let's go to James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Because in this, James begins to describe the benefits of pain. And it's, he says, consider it a sheer gift. Now, the word sheer means pure. and means total. And it also means complete. So he's letting you know. Consider it a pure gift. A total gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, tests, trials, and challenges are not a gift. <laughs> Naturally speaking, they, I don't consider them a gift. Not at all. Not even the little bit. Less known, a total and pure gift. <laughs> but he says, consider it a pure gift. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, why would he say consider it a pure gift? Because tests, trials, and challenges refine you. And it refines you like pure gold. That's why it's a sheer gift. It says you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So it's during that period of time that faith goes into full action and it allows you to see what you're made of, what's in you, what's actually operating and working in you, what, what word is alive in you. 
And then it says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. So don't try to get out of this pain. Don't try to get out of this, this suffering. Don't try to get out of these challenges prematurely. Because I know sometimes we want to be like, Lord, when? And he's like, no, don't get out of this prematurely. He said, let it do its work so you become mature. And well-developed, not deficient in any way. So tests, challenges, and trials are a pure, refining gift. It yields a harvest, and the harvest of it is maturity. And we know that maturity equals a release of your inheritance. So pain is not the end of a thing, but it is is the beginning of something new. Pain is not the end of a thing, but it is the beginning of something new. Our pain produces endurance. And endurance shapes our character. To be like the one in which we worship, which is Christ. So often we talk about the power, the miracles, and the confirmation of doctrine in Jesus' ministry. But the other side of your brother's ministry, which is Jesus, was that he endured suffering. And he endured it in order to birth something new out. So the father often comes in and speaks to his children when we are at our lowest points. But he knew we would be tested with trials. And so what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit as your comforter. And his angels to minister to those who are what? The heirs of salvation. So pain produces power. So don't think anymore about pain being a limitation for you. Pain produces power. Pain produces maturity. Pain produces fruit. Pain produces character. So if we consider what the Apostle Paul said when he was speaking of the thorn in his flesh, through enduring this thorn, the power of the Father was able to rest in him to keep him humble so that he would accomplish the mission. He wanted the thorn to be removed, but he told him, my grace is sufficient. So there are things that the Father has placed in our lives that serves as a humility bumper or a humility buffer and that he will not remove it because it serves as your buffer so that you will not enter into pride. So as a reminder, also to not to get puffed up. 
not to move in your own strength or to think yourself more highly than you are. So the bottom line is that we are being used for his glory and for his purpose and not for our own. We cannot ask the father to remove something that he is using to keep you humble with. And at the same time, he will not, as he said, put more on us than what we can bear. So we have to also rest in that concept. So let's look at a few scriptures to confirm this. Now I'm going to go actually just through these scriptures just as a confirmation of what he said. We're going to look at Isaiah 41 and 10 first. And it says, do not yield to fear. Don't bring yourself down to the level. Don't you bring yourself down to the level of fear. Do not yield to fear for I am always near. Never turn your gaze from me, for I am your faithful God. I will infuse, or we can use the word impart. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every, not some, not just spiritual situations, in all, in every situation, I will hold you firmly with my victorious right hand. Which actually confirms the scripture that no one can pluck you out of the father's hand we'll look at philippians 4 12 through 13 as a reassurance of this and it says i know what it means to lack and i know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance for i'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things. So guess what? If you have a problem enduring and overcoming all things, you need to ask the Father to train you in the secret of overcoming all things. Whether in fullness or in hunger, and I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. We'll look at Psalms 31 and 24. He says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. All of these are reaffirming that even in your most troubling times, he got your back. And the last one in this is Isaiah 40 and 29. And he says that he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. So it's not just wisdom and power and miracles and and healing and finances and business ideas that he gives to you. But he say he gives you might. He gives you strength in order to endure. So our pain, weaknesses and suffering brings what? The glory and the power of the father out of us. It brings the glory because we have to be refined like gold. 
And so his glory is brought forth. It brings the power because his power is working in your vessel. So we know that life is, as we say, a great teacher. We say life is, is you know, it's one of the universities that teaches us. But also we have to understand that through pain, we will be able to make better decisions. Because I can think about a whole lot of times when I was younger and I was like, oh, God, I made the wrong decision. But it made me evaluate the situation, gain more insight, and do it a different way. And also, he reveals that we are weak and that we need him. Because if we operated in our own power and did things by our own power, we wouldn't come to him. If we had the power to get these things done without him, there would be no relationship because we would feel like we don't even need him. So the last scripture in this particular section of how the father will speak to you through weakness, pain, and suffering will be coming out of the book of Romans. And that's Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And it says, I am convinced that any suffering that we endure is less than nothing. Less than nothing. Now, you know nothing is zero. (laughs) So he's saying... The suffering that you endure, take nothing and then subtract it from nothing. (laughs) Right. Subtract nothing from nothing equals absolutely nothing. Is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. Nothing. Your weakness, your pains, your troubles, your trials, he said, is absolutely nothing. Because at the end of that, when he's refined you, what comes out of that produces something that makes that look like nothing. And then the pieces begin to come together. And you you begin to say what? Oh, I know why I had to go through that. (laughs) And it begins to look like That was nothing. So number two, we're going to be going through. (laughs) I realized when I was going through these tonight that these things that I'm going through tonight are very, I don't want to say basics to minimize the, the importance of them, but these things are very simple things, but these are real hard hitters. So number two, what we're going to talk about is how the Father speaks through those who have the gift of service. How the Father speaks through those that have the gift of service and what that looks like. So our scripture reference is coming from 1 Peter 4 and 10. 1 Peter 4 and 10. And it says, every believer, every, not some, 
includes you, even ones that don't think much of themselves. Every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. What I want to point out in this, he says, every believer has received grace gifts. And he tells you how he wants you to use those gifts. He said, you use those gifts to serve another as a steward. So your gifts are not for you. Even though the first time you work and you operate in your gifts is to get your your life right first. But once you have perfected it and you've been trained in it, now you're supposed to use it for others. So the father's children can hear the voice of their father speaking through the gift of serving other people. So we must understand that your entire personality, what motivates you, what your tendencies are, it bears the imprint of your gift and your purpose. It's the the totality of who you are. So, those that operate in the gift of of service will hear the Father move upon their heart when they can identify a need and accomplish the task at hand. Can you, um, is there a note this after the scripture about those that operate in the gift of service? Can you put that up for me? Thank you. So those individuals who operate in the gift of service will hear the Father move upon their heart when they can identify a need and accomplish a task at hand. Those who operate in the gift of service are those who are the first person in a group to notice the needs of others and to step forward to meet those needs as the Father directs them. Also, this gift is automatically turned on when needs are not being met. And that could be a need anywhere. It could be a need, you know, to... um, build a ministry, um, do some outreaching for the homeless. It can be a need um, that's met on your job, that needs to be met on your job, a need to open up um, a particular business in a certain area that you see the need for. So the Father gives special sensitivity to these believers, and oftentimes they will think of another person and feel the desire to serve them in some type of way. Like the father has placed it on my heart to come and help out in the soup kitchen. Or the father has placed it upon my heart in order to help you bring your business up. So those with the gift of service free others. So write this down. Those with the gift of service 
They free others to achieve. Their joy comes from the success of other people. They become blessed when others are blessed. And in turn, the father supernaturally provides for them because of their selflessness. These men and women, they have no hidden agenda. They have no motive or no need to be seen for attention. Because their main objective is to help you succeed. So, but also we have to understand that with this, those with the gift of service are usually those that are last to rest. So we're going to end this section with Philippians 2, 1 through 4. (laughs) These scriptures just be... Ooh, igniting something in me. And it says, if you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. And that is what those with the gift of service do. And that's why a lot of times they are the last to rest. So number three is the gift of hospitality. How the father uses those and speaks through those with the gift of hospitality. And the scripture reference that we're coming from will be Romans 12, 9 through 13. Romans 12, 9 through 13. And it says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. And never play the role of an actor wearing a mask, meaning that don't let it be, don't be pretending like you love people. Let it be for real. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor for one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. 
radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. So those who possess the gift of hospitality. Can I get this uh, slide? For those that operate in the gift of hospitality. Yes, those who operate and possess the gift of hospitality oftentimes are taken advantage of by those who only seek to hurt others. So they do have to be mindful of this because a lot of people will begin, will try to take advantage of these type of people because of their love for people. Yet the most amazing part of this gift is that it is offered without any need of reciprocity. I'm not looking for anything in return for it. They do it out of the kindness of their heart. So you never know who life will, whose life you will impact by just being generous and showing a sign of hospitality. Because sometimes people have never, ever experienced someone being kind to them. Someone, sometimes people have never even experienced true love towards them and they want nothing back in return. A lot, a lot of people have experienced, okay, what you going to do for me if I do something for you? So a person with the, the gift of hospitality loves to share his and her home or space without any need for you to do the same for them. I think this is one that we have done for several, <laughs> probably for several years. Um, and you know what? I'm going to be totally honest with you. And it's not because the be, I'm, this is something that I had to grow in. <laughs> Seriously. My husband, he does it effortlessly. He's have always, since I've known him, when I met him when um, I was 18, he has always had the mindset that if I go up, you're going up with me. He has always had that mindset. And so <laughs> because of that, I've always been kind of like a loner. But not a loner like in sadness. I've, I'm a content loner kind of person. Like, I'm content. Like, <laughs> it's me and the dog, <laughs> I'm good, <laughs> you know, me, but he had to get me out of that. He did. But the thing about that is that I was programmed that way. This is not something that, you know, I was born and I just came like this. I actually learned this type of behavior from my mother because, I mean, my mother was very calculated. She did the same thing every single day. Like she had the same routine like every day. And pretty much, and she would never invite nobody over. And she was very content with that. Like, I've never seen her with her friend. She never believed, in like, you know, even when my, um, she walked away from a 17-year marriage from my father, I only know of one guy 
even till today. One man that she even been with after my father. And she just totally, she just didn't believe in that. She was just very content. She would get up. She would, she would take a bath. She would exercise. She would read her Bible. She would watch a little Judge Judy shows. And she would go to bed at 3 p.m. in the day. (laughs) 3 a.m. she would wake up. 3 p.m. she would go to bed. So that's why I said it, it was difficult for me because it wasn't natural for me. But when I met him, oh, my gosh, like, I'm like, do you always have people over every time? Like, every single time I would come over to his apartment, there was tons of people always over his house. I'm like, oh, my God, this was, like, literally overwhelming for me because, like, I had my own place, and it's like my sister would come over or, like, you know, one or two of my friends, but that's it. Like, nobody else is coming over. But everybody over his house. So I had to grow in that. I really did. But ever since we we got married, and we've been married for 13, 13 years, ever since we got married, I could probably, let me see, probably out of those 13 years, just, yeah, there's only been three of those 13 years that we've had our house to ourselves. Three out of the 13 years. We've always had somebody living with us, coming over, it's but it's it's like I say it's just one of those things that is it's just a heart of his like everything that he has he he just wants to share it so by default but two becoming one I had to be the same way <laughs> no matter what I felt I had to I got I had to I had to rise to the occasion so the next was this number four that we're going to talk about is the gift of exhortation. All right, you exhorters. <laughs> we got some exhorters in the house. All right, we're coming from 2 Timothy 4 and 2, the gift of exhortation. All right, it says to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. Now, let me get the slide for the definitions for reprove, rebuke, exhort. Now, when it tells you to reprove, now this is the views that operate in the gift of exhortation. These are the things that you're doing. You're, you are reproving, meaning that you're convicting people, but not convicting people to bring shame to them, but you're convicting them of what you know that they're supposed to be doing in God. You're rebuking them, but you're rebuking them not for shame. You're rebuking them to show honor, and you're basically telling them to raise the price of, meaning you need to come up. You're down too low. Your level is too low, and you need to come up a level. God is calling you to come up. Also, rebuke means to demand that the person go higher. That you are living below your means. You need to come up higher. These are what exhorters do. And they ultimately exhort, meaning that they summon and they call forth what they see. They address things that need to be addressed. They console people that need to be consoled. They instruct. They teach. They encourage and they strengthen. 
So we must understand that exhortation functions prophetically, but exhortation is not solely prophecy, but it is a motivational gift. So those with the gift of exhortation are, number one, concerned with helping others avoid mistakes. Or if someone has already fallen due to a mistake, they desire to see them repent of their ways and return to the walk of righteousness before the Father. Now, the Apostle Paul was one of the key apostles who exemplified the gift of exhortation, okay? So in his preaching, we're going to see the heart of Paul's purpose for his ministry. Not only for his ministry, but for ministry, according to him, as he uses the gift of exhortation. So we're going to go to the book of Colossians. Colossians 1, 26 through 29. Colossians 1, 26 through 29, and it says, this mystery, this is a mystery, this mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. So he's, he's letting you know, he's putting you on notice. This is a mystery getting ready to happen. But now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic, Christ. No more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives to me. He said, I'm doing this on a daily basis. This is the secret. Become like Christ. I'm trying to become like him day after day, year after year. So even in the prophetic gift, when a prophet exhorts, they are bringing precaution and they are bringing adjustment to the one they are ministering to. They are bringing in alignment to bring out the best results in people. For example, when a car needs a wheel alignment, the mechanic will tighten or replace what is damaged, what is corroded, what is broken. Once the alignment is fixed, the wheel is stronger, tighter, and it works effectively for what? Maximum performance. And that's what exhorters do. They want to see maximum performance. So the person who is exhorting 
is ultimately trying to see every person in the body stay on track and take the narrow road in the Christian walk that leads to earthly and heavenly rewards. Those with the gift of exhortation also want to see others mature in their faith and growing in their spiritual lives. Now, exhorters are three things. They are people-oriented, they are growth-oriented, and they are maturity-oriented. They are people-oriented, they are growth-oriented, and they are maturity-oriented. Thank you. The exhorter is quick to ask you or assess where are you in your spiritual life. Are you growing? And in what ways are you growing? The Father will use and speak to exhorters who see the best in you to follow up with you to make sure that you are doing what the Father has purposed for you to do. And lastly, they would be equivalent to what we call life coaches today. They will tweak you until you adjust properly and correctly for maximum performance. All right, and last and definitely not least, that the Father will speak to those with the gift of giving, those that have the gift of giving. And our first scripture for this will be Luke 6 and 38. And it says, give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. And then Acts 20 and 35 tells us, I've left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus who taught, giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. Now receiving brings a blessing, but Giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. So the father says that we are more blessed when we give than when we receive. So those with the gift of giving are those who possess a keen ability to make wise investments and purchases in order to have more money in order to give. They are generous, but with wisdom, and the Father has gifted them with the ability to see and meet the financial needs of others. Those with the gift of giving 
are people who become financial donors, financial contributors, investors, sponsors, business owners, and partners. They have been graced to make power moves that will bring projects to their completion. Those who possess this gift are great at budgeting, they're great at giving, they're great at saving, but their chief motive and their purpose behind it, it is not to have for themselves, but it is to gain in order that they might give away. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 9. 8 through 11. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. And it says, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for the meals is more than extravagant for you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. (laughs) I think the part that gets me the most is towards the beginning of this that he said that he can pour out blessings in astonishing ways that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. So basically he said, not only do I give you enough to do what needs to be done concerning what you're trying to give, but I also give you more than that. It reminds me of um, Solomon when he Ask for wisdom. And because he asked for that, more was given. So as the person hears the father specifically on what to give, the father in turn supernaturally replenishes and restores back to him, what, 30, 60, 90, 100, and sometimes 1,000 fold. So those with this gift sow without expecting anything in return from anyone. Furthermore, those with this gift give discreetly or quietly and not drawing attention to themselves. However, it is not just the responsibility of those with the gift of giving to sow. Because as we know, all believers, as you freely have, you have been given to you, freely you give away. So it is a biblical teaching for all believers because the Father has given to you. So guess what? We follow suit. So those with this gift are not concerned with personal accolades or praises from people because they understand that the Father will make room for them. And the Father is the one that they will give them favor with men. 
Their total emphasis are on meeting the needs and not having others acknowledge what they have done. So the father is looking for what? Cheerful givers and faithful sowers. He's looking for cheerful givers and faithful sowers because they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Because people have heard their father's voice in the area of giving, a return in investment is seen with miracles. A return in investment is seen with breakthroughs. A return in investment is seen in the community. A return in investment is seen in pushing the kingdom agenda. A return in investment is seen the heart of the father is actually seen through you when you do that. So, my last <laughs> my last example is speechless for me. So, this example is not a means what I'm getting ready to tell you is not a means to receive praise. Um, telling you the example as, of course, as a means of this Bible study as a teacher. But I'm going to give you some insight on something that I do, okay? So, all of the money that's, that goes in that bucket every Sunday, I purposely put it in my purse. And I use it to give it away. So I'm expecting to give it to somebody. I'm always expecting to give it away. But I need to know who to give it to. So every time somebody drops something in the bucket, I go home, I take it out, put it in an envelope, put it in my purse. And I'm like, okay, whoever you want me to give it to. So it was so funny. So not this past service. It was the time, the service before we went to the last training, yes, when we were at Lionheart. And so I had, um, I had this money in my purse. And we were leaving, actually, the training. We were leaving the prophetic training. <laughs> this is funny. And, you know, we don't got our mind on nothing. We're talking about the prophetic training and how good it went and stuff like that. We're just talking amongst ourselves. And so we pull up and um, at the light, at the red light, and we see this homeless guy. He got this sign up. So um, you're like, okay, I'm searching for the, the envelope from my purse. I'm searching for the envelope. And so um, I give, give my husband everything that I have. Well, actually, I'm still searching. I'm still searching, actually, in my purse. He rolls the window down, and I kid you not. <laughs> I kid you not. I think I shared this with Pastor Pierre. I kid you not. The man says, my husband rolls the window down. The first thing out of the man's mouth is, well, hello, Pastor and First Lady. And so I stopped looking <laughs> in my purse because I realized we're entertaining an angel. And so I give him the money, and I'm thinking in my head, what did he say? And as I'm thinking it in my head, he says it again. 
He says, thank you, thank you so much, Pastor and First Lady. And we drive off like, what just happened? How in the world? Because we definitely wasn't dressed like some pastors. He had on a flash t-shirt <laughs> from Walmart. <laughs> so it's not like we were suited and booted and I had a big first lady hat on or something. I had on the regular, that regular gold dress <laughs> that I got from Forever 21. <laughs> and he had on the flash t-shirt and some jeans that he had got from Walmart. And literally, the, the first thing out of this man's mouth was, hello, pastor and first lady. We didn't have no sign on the car. We wasn't giving no flyers out. We don't even have no flyers in the car. <laughs> and this man said this. And I said, I made a little joke <laughs> to my husband. I said, see, first lady is not religious. Even the angels use it. <laughs> See, you can call me first lady. Because <laughs> obviously they use that in heaven. <laughs> oh, God, I had to get him. He was looking at me like, oh, no, we're still not going to use that. <laughs> oh, but I had, to, I had to share that. Because be, you have to realize that you could be entertaining an angel. And we've... And, I'm totally convinced. We have visitations from angels all the time. But you just got to recognize when when it's pre- when they're present. I was like, oh, my God. And the crazy part about this, I said, oh, my gosh. Literally, this dude's eyes, I guess I shouldn't say dude because, you know, that's totally not doctoral, but I'm saying it anyway. This dude's eyes, like, literally, I was telling my husband, did you see his eyes? Like, you know, we have the white part of the iris of our eyes. He had no white part of his, there was no white part of his iris. There was, there was no white part. His eyes was just one color, one, one color. And I, we, we were, we were just, we were stuck. We were stuck the whole ride. We, we, I made that joke and then we just didn't even speak. We was just, just awestruck. We were. So I pray that this bless you. That's why I say these are some basic things, but these are really some hard hitters that we went over tonight. So in the next coming, just trying to give you, we're actually done with the message, but in the just telling you what we have left, um, what we have, three parts left. Yeah. One two actually yeah three parts left so in the coming weeks we'll be going over um how the father speaks through the gift of ruling and organization um how he speaks through the gift of mercy the gift of helps the gift of government and administration how he speaks through children how he speaks through peace how he speaks through times and seasons We're going to look at Holy Spirit-led encounters and promptings, how he speaks through opportunities that he presents to you. And the last one is um, how he speaks through the inner witness. So that's in the upcoming weeks. And so the dream series will begin in November.
so that's what is to come. So, Father, we thank you for the message. We thank you for the seed of this word, Father. We thank you, Father. Let us water the seed, Father, that it may grow. Let it hide. Let us hide this word in our heart, Father. Let us operate, Father, in all that you would have for us, Father. Speak to us concerning these different gifts, Father, that you have revealed. 